Do I have any good news? I thought I gave plenty of good news last week. It was very cheery. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I guess we'll find out. <laughs> I guess we'll find out. Uh, I don't have any uh, devastating uh, climate statistics for you, if that's what you mean. So <clears throat> I got all those out of the way last week. Actually, I might have a few. We'll see. Well, I'll have to check my notes. I might have a few. Um, All right. Well, uh, if you have a bulletin, does everybody have a bulletin or have a neighbor by them that has a bulletin? Uh, It's all... We're not going to do it. Normally, we do a a community conversation. uh, But this morning, we're going to read this uh, text first together. And it's from... Uh, John 9, 1 through 8, and then we'll skip some verses and go 30 to 41. And this morning, the bulletin has has a version that's uh, the voice translation. So every now and then, I'll go to the voice. Uh, It's interesting because it it takes it and puts it in dialogue form, so you'll notice it looks a bit more like a a play or a script. Um, All right, let's, let's, let's read this together. While walking along the road, Jesus saw a man who was blind since his birth. The disciple said, Teacher, who sinned? Who is responsible for this man's blindness? Did he commit sins that merited this punishment? If not his sins, is it the sins of his parents? Jesus says, Neither. His blindness cannot be explained or traced to any particular person's sins. He is blind, so the deeds of God may be put on display. When it is daytime, we must do the works of the one who sent me. But when the sun sets and night falls, uh, this work is impossible. Whenever I am in the world, I am the light of the world. After he said these things, he spat on the ground, mixed saliva from dirt to form mud, which he smeared across the blind man's face. And then Jesus, talking to the blind man, says, Go wash yourself in the pool of Siloam. Siloam means sent, and its name reminded us that this healing was sent by God. The man went and washed and returned to Jesus, his eyes now alive with sight. And then the neighbors and others who knew him were confused to see this man so closely resembling the blind beggar running about. Formerly, blind man said this, Isn't it ironic that you, our religious leaders, don't know where, don't know where he comes from? He gave me sight. We know that God does not listen to sinners, but he does, uh, God does not listen to sinners, but he does respond and work through those who worship him and do his will. No one has ever heard of someone opening the eyes of any person blind from birth. This man must come from God, otherwise this miracle would not be possible. Only God can do such things. And the Pharisees say, uh, You were born under a cloud of sin. How can you, of all people, lecture us? The religious leaders banished him from their presence. And when Jesus heard what had happened and sought out the man, Jesus says, Do you believe in the Son of Man? The formerly blind man says, I want to believe, Lord. Who is he? Jesus says, You have seen his face with your new eyes, and you are talking to him now. The formerly blind man says, Lord, I do believe. The man bowed low, and, uh, bowed low to worship Jesus. And Jesus says, I have entered this world to announce a verdict that changes everything. Now those without Sight may begin to see, and those who see may become blind. Some Pharisees who overheard Jesus said, Surely we are not blind, are we? Jesus said, If you were blind, you would be without sin. But because you claim to see, your sin is ever present. 
You might be thinking, Ryan, what does this have to do about climate change? This morning, like I said, I want to look at how a spirituality of the mud or a spirituality of the dirt has everything to do with how we see ourselves in the midst of climate crisis. This text from the Gospel of John forces us to look inward um, at the kind of spiritual blindness and material blindness that Christianity has had in this world and the consequences that that kind of theology or spirituality that has been common in Christianity uh, has had for our climate and continues to have for our climate. Like I said last week and moving forward into this week, we have been so disconnected uh, from the source of life um, that we often don't realize our judgments, our assumptions, and our actions and, and our actions in, uh, in the relation to the climate have tremendous consequences. And here, and what we, we talk about all the time, Mission Hills, and what we see throughout the Gospels, is that Jesus is constantly breaking the bounds of purity laws, constantly pushing the boundaries of what was dictated during his time as what was clean and what was dirty. And here we see Jesus actually physically um, you know, digging his hands into the dirt, spitting in his hands and forming mud, like something that would be really, really gross. I, I can't remember who I heard speaking uh, about this or if it was somebody that I was reading recently. Um, but if we really, you know, we, I don't have any pictures, but we've all seen those, uh, those pictures of Jesus, like they get the sun rays behind him and he's all like clean and, you know, he's like, you know, he's not clean shaven, but he's like, seems like a very sterilized Jesus. Um, we have to realize like, or imagine at least, like, Jesus probably smelled pretty bad. Like, this guy is a homeless vagabond, you know, wandering around uh, Galilee. This guy, you know, this was before deodorant. Sorry, guys. You know, like, uh, this dude probably didn't smell very good. And he's digging his hands. I don't know why I'm going off on this tangent. But, uh, you know, he's digging his hands in the mud. I mean, Jesus is constantly pushing the bounds of uh, what we today have a sanitized version of, of Jesus. And that sanitized version of Jesus led to a sanitized version of Christianity, which has led to tremendous consequences uh, in a disconnection from our groundedness in, in life and the source of life, um, which is God. And all of this, uh, I think, can be redeemed and should be redeemed by Christianity as we think about um, as we think about our relation to, to the earth and our resolution for solving our climate crisis. So all throughout the Gospels, Jesus is touching and healing those that are at his time considered unclean, right? Whether it's a leper, whether it's um, a, a demon-possessed individual, um, he's going where he shouldn't go and engaging people he shouldn't engage in. The Samaritan woman at the well, we could go on and on. Kester Bruin uh, writes this. He says, What we define as clean or dirty is not as straightforward as we think. Dirt, it seems, is not a fixed idea, but occurs when matter out of, is out of place, which is a, a phrase from, uh, I think, Mary Douglas. Dirt is matter out of place, and thus is created uh, by a byproduct of our deciding what the right place for things is. Um, 
Kester Bruin has a, in, in this chapter, he's talking about clean and unclean. He has a funny anecdote story. Is you know, uh, Western uh, colonializers uh, going into the lands of Native people, particularly those that lived on the coast. And they were like, how dare you? you? You poo in the ocean? And they're like, how dare you? You poo in your own house? You know, it, it, it shows uh, in a funny way how we decide what is clean and unclean. And we dictate what is clean and what is dirty. And that can change. That changes depending on the culture. That changes depending on the time. And our assumptions of who's clean and unclean, who's in and out, uh, most of the time is a cultural fixation. I have a quote from <coughs> Feuerbach here that I have on my phone. So just give me a short moment. This is why I print out paper notes. The first couple of sermons I had here, I had on my iPad, and the iPad just, like, froze. You know, so I was like, I have, from now on, we'll print everything out. <clears throat> so Feuerbach says this, Nature, the world, has no value, no interest for Christians. The Christian only thinks only of himself in the salvation of his soul. Nature, the world, has no value, no interest for Christians. The Christian thinks only of himself and the salvation of his soul. And this was a, a, a decision made by uh, Christianity through the years to turn our form of religion into uh, something that was primarily about the salvation of the soul, the immaterial, the spiritual. And therefore, we would go off into a distant land in the future after death and after life where everything is clean and pretty and sanitized and pristine. And that, uh, Feuerbach points out, has tremendous consequences for nature, the earth, and our world. When we only think of ourselves and an individualized Christianity that's only about saving something that's immaterial in here, uh, what kind of consequences result from that? And the Pharisees, the religious folks of Jesus' day, uh, they had their own tradition. I mean, we see throughout the Old Testament that we set up purity laws. Uh, I've, you know, uh, Richard Rohr would say this is a, you know, a form of uh, like primitive Christianity, a first-stage religion. First-stage religion is about deciding what is in and out, what is clean and unclean, and we see that in the Old Testament. And so the religious folks of Jesus' day have traditions and perspectives that take their spiritual understanding, their spiritual reality, and relate it to the material world. So even the disciples uh, illustrate this in this text where they say, okay, this man is blind. He's physically blind. We can all see this. He was blind from birth. So was it something that this guy did, or is it something that his parents did? And Jesus makes it very clear that it was neither him nor his parents that were responsible for this man's blindness. But they were trying to understand uh, something in the material world and relating it to a form of morality. And Christianity has done much of the same thing, uh, and we've played the same game of drawing boundaries of who's in and how, who's clean and unclean. The boundaries of what we consider dirty and clean matter because it connects us to who and what is in and out, what is important and who is unimportant, what is essential and what is unessential, and then what is to be discarded. Because Christian history and colonialism dictated the boundaries of clean and unclean, Christians largely abdicated their responsibility to the very message of Jesus and the gospel, which is the liberation and freedom for all people and the restoration of all things. 
but particularly to the vulnerable, uh, inviting the vulnerable, inviting the press into an experience of this grace in the life here and now. So this is uh, illustrated in the Gospels we see all the time. It's a very material Jesus, digging his hands into the mud, uh, drinking good wine, sharing good food with friends. It's material, rooted, grounded in this earth, in this experience of life, right here and now. The way of Jesus is intimately connected to life in his material world. He digs his hands into the mud, spits in his hands, puts his hands on the eyes of the blind man, and calls this man clean. Jesus embodies a spirituality of the dirt. What is considered out of place, cursed by God, dirty, Jesus embraces. And the spirituality of the dirt is, is profound because it, it can, has the power to change our relationship with our material world and with who we consider other, separated from. This transformation is a process by, in which we begin to change our relationship with what we are disconnected from and with perhaps uh, the people that we refuse to pre- have previously engaged. So... Those people uh, previously have not engaged them. I consider them outside of me, other than me. I don't know how to, how to deal with it. And perhaps uh, those that we call dirty, we need to embrace. Or those that we don't call dirty, but even just in the back of our minds, consider uh, distant or separated from me. Maybe I need to figure out a way to connect to that person. And here we are invited in a spirituality of the dirt We are invited to the essential nature of reclaiming goodness for life to flourish. And then realizing that not only is this the pattern that we should integrate or begin to reintegrate in our own lives, but this is the very movement of God in creation. Richard Rohr would say uh, that creation was the first incarnation. Creation is the first incarnation. So 13.8 billion years ago. God mysteriously bursts forth into the universe from a single point of energy that expands outward. In the opening poem of Genesis, God creates all there is and calls it what? Very good. And our culture sends us mixed messages about the material world. And we, we, we know a lot of them. Um, we've seen the commercials. We watch TV. We listen to the radio. <clears throat> we can't go into all those today. But, um, you know, a couple of months ago, I was, at, uh, I was at the shopping center over here by Target. Saw a guy take a last uh, sip of his drink and then just chunks the fast food cup onto the pavement in the parking lot. Right? Like... Uh, we, we see this in our reality, the, the disconnection from um, how, uh, and we're not, most of us, I hope, are not that extreme, but that there's a fundamental disconnect from uh, someone's reality in their body in how they view the external world in the material reality. Uh, people throwing their cigarette butts or, or whatever it is, whether it's the, the cup onto the pavement. Uh, there's a disconnection between uh, perhaps that individual and how he sees himself living in a community of other people and other things. Just um, to be discarded and somebody else will take care of it. Uh, people in positions of power and influence, you know, 
Sometimes wear coats that say something like, I don't really care, do you? I saw a sign this week uh, that in big, bold letters, uh, it said, it doesn't really matter. It doesn't really matter. Uh, and I think that kind of cultural messaging is um, harmful. I think we, we have a lot of people that live in such a way as, eh, it doesn't really matter, you know, just... But matter matters. I don't know who, who coined that phrase, but matter matters. The material world matters. The way we live and interact with each other and the environment matters. Uh, I went to the council meeting this week. <laughs> in which I try not to speak. Because uh, it's just... Uh, you know the 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 streets are the streets are dirty. Just complaints about the dirty streets. Uh, street vendors are ruining our neighborhood. They're just dirty, and they're grease stains everywhere. And they're just uh, you know they're 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 in my way. You know they're they're that we we have, we built this nice you know shopping center here with the Target, and everything's nice and clean, just like the suburbs should be. And these street vendors are are ruining all of it. Affordable housing isn't good for the neighborhood because it drives down housing costs and invites poor people into our neighborhood. The homeless are making a mess. They set up camps and they're just trashing it everywhere. The mobile homes parked on the streets, they're an eyesore and I don't like to deal with it. We need more parking signs to have them removed. It's just... Whether it's uh, Christianity or whether it's... a uh, a version of secular, you know, just people messaging. Um, we have uh, messages about what is clean and unclean all around us in our society. And people are making these decisions and these assumptions uh, based on their environment and their surroundings. And what we see in the life of Jesus um, and as followers of Jesus um, have to embrace in a radical way is traversing and trespass trespassing the boundaries of what our society says is clean and unclean. And we won't go into all those like issues right now, but we have to see that the, the messaging in our culture and in our society is out there, who's in and who's out. Matter matters. Earth, animals, our environment, humans, the dirt. In Genesis 2, in the second uh, creation story, God forms Adam which means earth man, ground guy. He forms him from the dust of the earth and breathes the breath of life into Adam's nostrils. We are living and breathing human beings, and our bodies are fashioned from stardust. Astrophysicist uh, Carol Shriver, I don't might butcher her last name, sorry, Carol, if you're listening. She says, we have stuff in our bodies as old as the universe. Our bodies and our lives are members of a beautiful cycle of life and death, creation and decay. During Lent, we say, for, dust, for you are dust, and to dust you shall return. So when Feuerbach says, you know, uh, Christians only care for, for themselves and for their souls, He's making a very poignant 
point about how Christians generally, broadly, relate to other people and to their environment. That There's a disconnect, there's an individualization about the self, and not even about the self, but about you know, an interior spiritual reality of um, off-putting salvation into another time and place, often heaven. So he points out something that's problematic um, in Christian, in the Christian religion, but in a lot of religions, namely that we have so, been so sterilized in, I think, generally scared of death that we've ignored our material world in almost everything else. So we've disinfected our churches to the point where we only let certain people in, and we only sing songs about particular things, and we only talk about... Uh, a certain kind of cultural morality within our walls. And we're scared to death of death, so we don't talk about it at church, all right? <laughs> I remember I was during, I think it was during Lent, when I did like a death meditation, and someone just, lit, a new person just literally walked out the door. Like, yeah, that was probably a little rough for your first time here at Mission Hills. Do you remember that? <laughs> yeah, they're like, I don't know what this is. But in churches and in Christianity, we've been scared to death of death. We've been scared of the life cycle that, for we are dust, and to dust we shall return. And that's an important message, not only for our uh, mental and spiritual health, but for the health of all things in the planet. It's all interrelated. And, and Jesus expresses, I think, the spirituality of the dirt and the embrace of the material world um, incredibly well. If I do say so myself. He did a good job. Um, so we've been so scared of death that it has strange consequences. For example, um, we pump our deceased full of chemicals to prevent the body from decay. And then we seal our bodies into a box and put it in the ground so that we can avoid at all costs the natural life cycle of things. Everything that we do is theological, and everything that we do is drawing boundaries of what is clean and what is unclean. And so we, we try to preserve our bodies as to avoid what is the natural life cycle. And this might, you might think, though, that's kind of a silly and glib example, Ryan. And maybe so, but all of this is the the theological uh, underpinnings of how we view ourselves in relation to our material world. And um, the fact that in Christianity, we're generally just so scared of death. So when death is avoided, I think life is blocked. When we're disconnected from the earth, we separate ourselves from the natural cycle of life and death, and then we create a world in which we now have mass extinction. So instead of a natural rhythm of things, a natural uh, way of living with our environment, uh, we have so uh, cornered off the way we live in our world that we now are in what uh, many climate scientists uh, consider the sixth mass extinction. Sorry, Kevin. So in Christianity, this disconnect um, has led to our to, led to us ignoring uh, 
uh, not only ourselves and how we live in the world, but it's, a, it's led us to ignore the vulnerable and the oppressed. And if anything, we drew new lines around who we consider to be clean and unclean, who we consider to be in and out. Um, and perhaps it's just because we want, we want some boundaries of, of purity, that we, we long for some uh, semblance of certainty and security, cer- some things that we can control, and we realize that life and death is completely out of our control, and we don't like that. And this has caused us, I think, to be like the Pharisees in, in this text that Jesus points out. Um, it's caused us to be the blind ones. Uh, the ones that have set up the boundaries of clean and unclean, what is pure and impure. Uh, and Jesus says, yeah, the, the, the ones that thought they could see mm, are not seeing at all, are they? They're the ones that are actually blind. Um, and I, we couldn't find anybody in Christianity today that's like that, certainly. And so we, because we misunderstood the true good news of Jesus was actually not about an afterlife, but a radical embracing of the dirt of this life, Christianity became largely about a salvation into a Cloroxed heaven with no blemishes, no dirt, streets of gold. Uh, I've, I googled heaven, and this is like the second picture that came up, right? Rainbow. Look at that. There's no... Streets of Mission Hills are dirty. Look at those streets. Like one day I will, uh, you know, I've got Jesus deep, deep down in my heart, and I will walk the streets of gold where I'll never have to engage anybody I don't like. I'll never have to engage anything dirty I'll never have to have any struggles ever again. And this will be, I'll wear a white robe. I'll be so sterile. (laughs) Uh, There will be always a double rainbow. Uh, Yes, it's a wizard, it's a wizard of Oz Christianity. It's, it's, what dreams may come, yeah. Which is kind of a, that's the Robin Williams one? Just kind of a haunting. I haven't seen that in a long time. So Christianity has focused on escaping the dirt, taking flight away from our frustratingly limited and grounded bodies. We've been so focused on the cleanliness of heaven that we have been like the Pharisees, actually blind to see God at work here on earth, in the dirt and the grime. Considering what the world calls dirty, Jesus comes toward and embraces. Paul talks about the redemption of all things. And another way is to say the inclusion or embrace of all that is the earth. Humans, creatures, all life. And as an inclusive in church, as a fairly open-minded group, if I do say so, um, let's be mindful that I don't think that this is a trite liberal tolerance of all things, but it's a radical embrace of a lifestyle that's willing to play in the mud. Jesus understood that God was found in the mud. To dust you are, and to dust you will return. 
But whether it's a Christian message or one that's... Uh, we've been blind to our own streets and our own planet for a long time. And we've generally treated... Well, like what I kept hearing was just kind of a like an out-of-sight, out-of-mind mentality. Right? And we do this with our trash. Right? We bag up our trash, throw it in the dumpster, and it disappears. Right? It just goes off to trash land. And... Uh, um, you know, floats away. I mean, we never have to see that again. Um, and obviously we know that, that the way we handle our waste sis- management system is not uh, sustainable long-term, and now we're grappling with that reality. But it's uh, messaging in our society that's an out-of-sight, out-of-mind mentality. And for, for many, the climate crisis is the same way. Out-of-sight, out-of-mind. It's a future problem. It's a problem I can't see uh, I won't be alive when things get really bad, whatever, you know. Uh, yeah, there are some storms and hurricanes, uh, but weather is weather. Um, you know, I'll, I'll continue to put my trash in the bin, and it'll, it'll be out of sight, out of mind. Climate crisis, out of sight, out of mind. Somebody else is going to solve that problem. And in a simple way, the, fu- the fundamental uh, radical nature of Jesus that I find so interesting and so compelling is this... Uh, move that he constantly makes to challenge the boundaries of clean and unclean, to really play in the mud and to get dirty, uh, to set the oppressed free, as Luke 4 would say. Blessed are the poor. All those things that we, we know as like Christian things that Christians say, whenever you see about the, the, Jesus breaking the, the boundaries of what is impure and what is pure, you realize that, well, he's making some radically um, offensive cultural, he's breaking some radically offensive cultural boundaries. Uh, and uh, sometimes that's lost on us as, as Christians or people familiar with certain stories. So how do we embrace our world? How do we walk outside? And like you are saying, Claudia, uh, you know, we, we break out of the cycle of just uh, do this, do this, I'm busy, you know, Instagram, phone, whatever it is that keeps you busy. Uh, Netflix, TV, whatever. Um, if you're Joe Biden, the record player, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> oh, gosh, I'm terrible. Um, and begin to notice the way that we walk. The, be mindful of what we throw away or what we throw onto the pavement or how we uh, begin to notice our hands in the dirt if we are planting in the garden or what we're smelling in the air, how we just connect to our environment, reconnecting to um, that person that we consider other. How do we have a radical embrace of what we consider other on the other side of who we might consider clean and unclean? That's the good news of the gospel. So this morning I'm going to include with uh, a poem that I think is some good gospel. You do not have to be good. You do not have to walk on your knees. You do not have to walk on your knees for a hundred miles through the desert repenting. You only have to let the soft animal of your body love what it loves. Tell me about your despair, yours, and I will tell you mine. Meanwhile, the world goes on. Meanwhile, the sun and the clear pebbles of the rain are moving across the landscapes, over prairies and in the deep trees, the mountains and the rivers 
Meanwhile, the wild geese, high in the clean blue air, are heading home again. Whoever you are, no matter how lonely, the world offers itself to you, to your imagination. Calls you to the wild geese, harsh and exciting, over and over announcing your place in the family of things. So this morning, may we embrace the spirituality of the dirt. May we trespass the sterile boundaries of culture and religion to a radical embrace of our earth and our connection to it. And may we not put our hope into the clean streets of heaven, but in the good grace that we already have to look around us and to get our hands a little dirty. Let's pray.